Are you an athlete who would like to maximize your performance to succeed at the top level? Head on over to my website at jacobandre.com and book a free 15-minute discovery call to discover if and how I can help you. G'day and welcome to the Mind Your Body Show. I'm your host, Jacob Andre, and today I'm talking to Jasmine Hewitt. Jasmine, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Jacob. The place, I'm so excited to have you here, by the way. I'm just going to start off with that. Uh, You're someone that I've wanted to talk to on this podcast for a very long time. But before we get into it, what did we interrupt in your day today? Well, I I was working today. Unfortunately, I sustained a footy injury uh, a couple of weeks back now, which is an odd one, which I've recently discovered isn't that odd after all, is splitting the webbing in your hand. So I don't know if you can see, but... Essentially, if you look at your hand and there's the crease that runs along the top of, I guess, the palm line, um, I've managed to split the webbing right down to that section. So quite a significant split, which is a bizarre injury, which at the time I didn't know I had sustained. So luckily it didn't hurt, um, but a pretty silly one if, you know, you're in a job like I am where you are required to wear protective clothing such as gloves and you can't do that because your fingers can't be split apart. So I'm on light duties at work at the moment, have been for the last week. So thankfully I got to knock off at three while everyone's still there, unfortunately. Sorry, guys. <laughs> That's crazy. You split the webbing a long way down and you didn't know. How did you not feel that? I imagine that would have been painful. I would have thought it would be painful. Yeah, so did I. It was a pretty bizarre, I guess, moment in, my, in the football game because it was – a pretty big contest, um, tried to go up for a pretty big mark and come down and all I remember was getting landed on in my back and I'm not sure if in the motion of it I sort of had the ball in my hand and was landed on and somehow my finger got caught underneath the ball or I'm not, or it could have been when I was marking the ball, could have somehow got caught up in my own hands. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure but when I got up from the contest, I remember rubbing my back like, oh, my goodness, like, oh, my back, that really hurt. And I look around and the umpire's got the ball up in the air and he's blown the whistle. He said, blood rule, who's bleeding? Because I had my hand behind my back, like I wasn't aware that it was me. So I'm looking around at everyone thinking like, (laughs) whose nose is bleeding? Surely, because there's quite a significant amount of blood on the ball. Who's bleeding? Like, that's really gross. Like, yuck. I don't want to like tap the ball when it's bleeding, like blood all over it like that. (laughs) I'm waiting for them to do a ball change. And then I hear a girl shriek behind me. And I pulled my hand around and she's like, it's you, it's you. And I've looked at my hand and I've got, oh my, oh my goodness. Like that's pretty significant. I was expecting to see bone. I was expecting it much worse, but it bled it a lot. Um, so I took myself off and sure enough, um, straight to the ED. Yeah, far out. That's crazy. Stitches? Yeah, 10 stitches. Um, but the ED doctor did a fantastic job. It's um, come together really, really well and, Hopefully I'll be lacing up the boots this weekend um, in the lead up to this game, but we shall see. Yeah. That's a very quick um, recovery by the sounds of it. Yeah, they say so. about 14 days the stitches came out and then it's been another week on top of that. So um, I've trained with it now and I can do everything as normal and it's pretty tricky with work because I can't, I have to have it buddy strapped when I'm doing things. So with footy it's going to be very heavily strapped um, and a fair bit of padding on there too just to reinforce it. But, yeah, when it comes to work, I can't put those gloves on, so it sort of sidelines me for a bit, which is probably the most frustrating part of it all. You've mentioned work. What is work? 
Work. So I am an aviation rescue firefighter. So an airport fire is probably the, the short term there. I have been for exactly one year now, actually, um, oh, really? to the date. Yeah. Has it only been one year? Because there's a story to this, which I know about. Uh, this, I believe, was your dream job, and it's what ended your AFLW career, essentially. Yeah. Yes. It wasn't meant to. It was, I guess, the way that it was supposed to pan out was that I could get in, I could do my recruit course, and then I could jump straight into the end of a preseason and hopefully gear up for another season following our premiership win. So I'd signed on the dotted line already that I'd re-signed for my contract for the following year with the Adelaide Crows and it was just really unfortunate timing when they decided to bring the season forward to August for the first time ever. Like I couldn't really preempt it or foresee that happening. So when I said yes to my dream job, essentially, I knew that I had to give up the other one. So it was probably one of the toughest things I've ever done. But um, looking back now, I think that I was able to achieve the things that I wanted to in that space in that previous season. Uh, it kind of put the icing on the cake for me and then you never know what will happen in the future but I'm I'm pretty happy to say that I achieved what I wanted to in that space and now I'm just loving loving the career that I do have it doesn't like you I want to come back onto this later but it doesn't get much better than what you achieved like you're a premiership player in the AFLW with the Adelaide Crows and individually you kick the first goal of the game like <laughs> I can't imagine, like, what more really could you do? Go out and win, like, a you know, a best on ground or something, like, but to win a premiership. Yeah, I mean, I still, like, the big goofy smile I have now probably says it all, but I'd think back to it and just, I honestly just shake my head, like, I can't believe that that actually happened. I wasn't even expecting to get a game, to be honest. Like, the incredible team that was that year it was super hard to crack into the team lots of young guns coming through and I knew it would be tough coming into a well-oiled team like the Adelaide Crows because there wasn't really a spot for me going into the team and even training as hard as I was everyone was playing so well on the weekends there was just no opportunity for me to even crack in or even put my foot forwards like that was so awesome and I loved being part of that ride but then when I got my opportunity um, I guess You've probably heard it a lot before the, the footy gods sort of opened up and shone down on me, I think. And I guess it's been, it was a long time coming to experience something like that within the team, having had a few seasons where I had been in, you know, injured or on the sidelines and watched my team have success previously. So normally at this point, I try to direct the conversation to go right back to childhood and then bring it back to where you're at now. But let's keep on this for now. We'll come, we'll, we'll sort of do a loop around after. But for now, I want to keep going down this Adelaide Crows path. So you were initially drafted to them. Tell us about the story going to the Crows, leaving the Crows, coming back to the Crows, how that all happened, and then ultimately ended in that premiership. Right. Okay. Where do I begin? So I guess. To be able to do that, I do have to go back in time a little bit. So more to my childhood, I was never really given the option or opportunity to play football. I mean, my brother played footy uh, for a couple of seasons, but he wasn't really that into it. He probably played to be with his mates. And he also won a premiership when he was 15 and kind of went, you know, that that's it for me, all, all done and dusted, I'm happy. Um, but was more into the more hardcore sports like BMX and things that could break him easily. <laughs> Uh, but 
<laughs> I never really got that chance. And I remember having a kick with my dad and that was sort of like the closest you could get. Or if we happened to play a bit of scratchy footy at school, like that's probably the closest I ever got to it. So um, when I moved up to Darwin in 2017 or at the end of 2016, I should say, um, I didn't know that there was an AFLW competition. So the AFLW came about in 2017 or at least it was in the works to, to break out in 2017 and I had no idea. Um, I think if I had known about an AFLW competition, I probably would have gone to a tryout or, or expressed interest in the sport because I've always loved it, always been a massive fan. And I knew coming into Darwin, moving to Darwin, that I would be able to play football because I knew there was a women's competition in Darwin. I just didn't know the other side of that and the AFLW and what was in the works. So I probably missed my window to be looked at or considered as a rookie. Um, but I started playing footy for St. Mary's in 2017. Um, I recall playing, I think it was about four or five games uh, into my career with the Saints. And I remember Andrew Hodges, who was assisting with the women's uh, Adelaide Crows based up in Darwin at the time and gave me a call and said, hey, are you keen to to come and have a run and come and train with the Adelaide Crows girls up here? And that was the first I'd ever heard of it. I had no idea that that was happening or that there was an Adelaide Crows in Darwin. Like that blew my mind initially. Like what is what is there an Adelaide team doing up in Darwin? Like that's crazy. Like, But of course Real that's quickly, my... You grew yeah. up though in South Australia, didn't you? Yes, yes, I did. Sorry, back further. I did grow up in South Australia, but um, we lived in a really remote uh, country town uh, three, three and a half hours north of Adelaide. So it was a pretty long trek for my parents uh, with four children. So I'm one of four to get to Adelaide to even attempt footy. But anyway, we'll go backwards again. So I'd come back up to Darwin, um, played a few games with the Saints and then got the call from the assistant coach in the Adelaide Crows uh, at the time in Darwin to come out and just train with the girls basically. And there was a few train on players at the time um, trying to, I guess, make up numbers so that they could mirror accurately what the girls were doing down south because obviously they needed more numbers than what was currently at uh, the Crows camp base in Darwin. And so I was lucky enough to to have a, a few training sessions with them and then at the end of that year with the Saints, um, I'd been invited to the draft combine, which was the very first draft combine ever for females. Um, so they flew me down to Melbourne, uh, got to run around the MCG and do a few fitness tests um, and then a short time later was then drafted into the Adelaide Crows at pick number two for 2018. So I started my career at the Crows. It was a bit of a whirlwind, never played footy, played one season, got drafted, and then I was playing at the highest level. So personally, it was just like a massive explosion of football. It, to me, it felt like that. Like I hadn't really played, hadn't really heard of it, and then bang, all of a sudden you're drafted into one of the best teams in the comp. So, um, yeah, pretty bizarre start. Who was the coach at St. Mary's? Was it Hodgie or was he? No, so, no Jared Islet was my first AFL coach and he was awesome, awesome person, great, you know, club man. And I was actually playing netball with his wife, Barb Islet, at the time, which is what drew me to Saints. Um, I moved up to Darwin 
I remember the second day that I was there, I was out on the netball court playing for one of the teams. I'd messaged a few clubs before getting up there saying, hey, like I play, you know, country netball back in South Australia. If you're interested, I'm pretty tall. Like, <laughs> I'd love to come over a run if you have me. And um, the Pints Netball Club put their hands up uh, the highest and said, heck yes, we'd love to have you um, come down. And that's where I met Barbara, which then led to kind of footy as well. So I can kind of thank Barb and Jared for my booming AFL career, basically, as it started. Yeah, cool. And so Hodgie was the women's coach. Was he working with the Crows? Yeah, so he was. Yeah, so he actually. I think initially he was working for the Thunder, um, and you'd have to confirm from him. Trying to think back is a little fuzzy, but he was kind of like the the man running the show for the women's crows in that in my first, I guess ever, that draft lead up, and then for that first period, um, Colleen Gwynn was also helping him uh, at the time. So there was like a few people that were kind of co-managing the group in Darwin. Um, so I don't necessarily think that there was just one sole person in that kind of cluster, but Beck Goddard was the actual female head coach at the time. So what was that like, that group training in Darwin, that Darwin Crows group? Um, looking back now, I think uh, it was a really special group. You know, there's girls up in Darwin, obviously getting this opportunity to play for a state that's not your own is is difficult. Like I know there's a few born and bred Darwin players that wish that there was a Darwin team, um, but there was a pretty early on an established relationship between South Australia and the NT, um, and having that pathway directly into a team was the best thing, especially for a South Australian who happens to already adore and love the Crows as a footy team, um, which is, I guess, you know, where it's them might interest stemmed from for the Adelaide Crows in the first place. But I'm um, backtracking a little bit. So, yeah, it was a really special group um, and I probably look back now and could probably say something about each one individually, how they helped me as a person, um, not just a footy player. So I think that dynamic was really special and really close-knit and it also made the weekends um, coming up so we kind of got to get together on the weekends it made it even more exciting it wasn't just going to play footy it was going to meet the rest of the team and and get together and it was such a special occasion every time the whole group got to be together so it added that extra little x factor on top of what was already a really close um team in my opinion so let me confirm you were drafted into season two of the aflw is that correct yes that's correct so what was it like then, early, so being involved so early on in season two and then right up until only last, you know, last season, the difference in level? Because I've had Phil Harper on this podcast, who is the football operations manager at the Crows and probably the one who recruited you, did the one, he's essentially like the dad, I think. Um, <laughs> and he was saying that, when he looks back, have you actually heard the story about how it all started, that very first game and what he said in regards to them playing um, against GWS? No, I, so I haven't heard the story. So, yeah, please. Uh, so the me. AFL said they're going to start this um, this AFLW competition, I think, and so 2016, um, they were talking about it and they said to Phil at the Crows, we think you're going to be the worst team. We think you're going to finish bottom of the ladder. And he kind of said, okay, all right then, fair enough, if you think that. 
uh, who's the second worst team in your opinion? And they said, we think GWS is going to be the second worst team and finish second bottom of the ladder. And he said, okay, sweet. I just have one request. We play GWS first round. And they played GWS first round and won it and built a whole bunch of momentum from that first win and then went on to have the most successful um, resume of any AFLW club in history. He also <laughs> said, Phil, that... If that most recent premiership team of, is it 21? I'm losing track of the years now, 21 or 22. Yeah. It doesn't help when they put two seasons into one year like they did. Um, But the most recent premiership, if that team played against the first premiership team, that they would have won by 20 goals because the improvement in skill level of women's footy has improved that much. I completely agree. And I think we're not only seeing that in the AFLW competition, but across the nation, if you're looking at um, even our local competition in the NTFL, you see such a significant growth in skill and ability in the women's, um, yeah, in competition alone. Yeah. Are you an Aussie rules footballer who would like to maximise your performance to succeed at the top level? My Australian rules football dynamic group coaching program is a 12-phase program that has been curated from my 15 plus years working as a strength and conditioning coach with local footballers right through to AFLW players at Adelaide and Richmond. To get instant access to my Australian Rules Football Dynamic Group Coaching Program, simply head on over to jacobandre.com forward slash Australian dash rules dash football. So you're at the Crows, then tell me about the transition out of the Crows and into Gold Coast Suns. Right, so I played my first full season injury-free in 2018. Um, I was a utility player at the time, so I actually was kind of swung around a bit. I remember one of my very first games, uh, Bet got on and sort of said, oh, you've got such good athletic ability. I'm going to play you as a defender on one of the best forwards in the competition who was Katie Brennan at the time, who was a fairly well-known female football player in the in Australia, I guess you could say. And I didn't know too many of the players, but I had heard of this particular player. Oh, she's, she's pretty good forward. So here's me coming off of my first ever AFL season ever against someone that's probably been in footy for, you know, a significant six to eight years and has rose through the ranks and got a great reputation. So here's little old me, barely played 11 games of footy in my life and I'm about to play on the best forward in the competition. And I remember having so much fun in that game, um, just having absolutely no idea what I was doing. Like I just, just defend that girl. That's all I had to do. And I think uh, if I sort of hone in on my abilities, I've actually been a defender in netball for majority of my life. Uh, I was a little bit shorter as I was younger, so I played centre a bit. So I've got the running capacity, but I'm mainly a defender in, in most other sports. So um, I've been thrown around on the on the board. My magnet's been thrown around, I guess you could say. I've been trialled in so many different positions. And, yeah, so that first season was kind of crazy because I was. I was forward and then I was back and then I was rocking and then I was playing on elite forwards or I had a job specifically each game. So... Each game that I got to play, I, I get to, got to know a different position basically from scratch for the first time at the highest level. So my first year was a bit bizarre. And then we played, sorry, and then the NT Thunder came about and we entered a VFL team into the competition, women's that is, um, and I played 
all of the VFL season and they talk about like breakout games or breakout seasons where you kind of go, oh, I actually get what I'm doing now and I'm feeling confident and things are starting to make sense. So I kind of got that throughout that VFL season. I thought, you know, I think I'm going to be a much better asset to the Crows now because I actually feel like I know what I'm doing in the lead up to that next year. So I put in a massive preseason and I remember um, the coach just being really stoked with with my progression and how I was going. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, yes, I'm going to finally be playing at the highest level and actually playing and know what I'm doing and hopefully play well. Like I was quite excited for the season to come. Uh, and this is 2019 now. And leading into the season, we had a trial game against Fremantle. Um, they come across to Darwin and that was kind of like our, a bit of tradition in those first two seasons is that Fremantle Dockers would come into Darwin and we'd put on a preseason game and all of the locals got to come and watch us. And it was a pretty big deal. Like that was a pretty big game um, on the calendar each year. So I was looking forward to that, leading into that really well. And I think it was about five minutes into the game, our number one ruck, Ree Metcalf, had uh, landed awkwardly and done her ACL. So blew out her knee in the first five minutes of the game, which was devastating. And then I was handed the reins to be number one. At the time, we didn't have very many tools and I was kind of like the next person able to play in that position. And I'd been training and playing there through the VFL. So I was like, yes, I'm confident. Like, this is my moment to shine. You know, this is going to be great. Um, And I think it was this second quarter, one of the first leaps of the game, I jumped up and landed down awkwardly on my ankle and wiped myself out for the entire season. Um, I pretty much ruptured every ligament you could in your ankle and uh, had to undergo surgery pretty soon after that and unfortunately meant I was rubbed out of the 2019 season. So I watched the Crows have great success that year and and they went on to win the premiership and I was unfortunately sidelined for that whole period. Um, Then in 2020, uh, the Gold Coast Suns, joined the competition and that was their inaugural year. And uh, the partnership between Adelaide and the Northern Territory um, with limited or not that many players remaining in the Territory, most had moved down to Adelaide. Um, Gold Coast Suns come in and there was a new negotiation between states or I guess zones to pick from. So the Territory became uh, a Gold Coast Suns region rather than a South Australian region. So there was a bit of a shift in what the territory, like who the territory team now is. And as a territory-based player and person, now I wanted to stick with the territory and I guess try and help drive footy in the territory and remain in Darwin. And I felt for my progression and my own personal, uh, where I was in my life at the time, I thought that the best thing for me would be to to stick with that and and remain territory-based and become a Gold Coast son. And that was kind of like my thoughts behind that. I also thought it'd be so great to go and live on the Gold Coast for a short period of time, um, learn to surf, you know, uh, see what life had to offer down there because I'd, I'd never really been to the Gold Coast prior to being um, drafted there. Um, so I went to the Suns in 2020 in their inaugural year and uh, that was such a great and eye-opening experience for me as well. But unfortunately, at the end of 2020, as you know, COVID then jumped into gear and uh, put a stop to the season in 2020. So I think there was seven rounds or so, and I, I think I played 
played the season until COVID put it to a halt. Uh, I was then pretty much told you must get out of the state as soon as, you, as, soon as possible because there's a chance you'll be locked here, like locked down, which, which did happen. So I remember being on a flight back from our last game in Fremantle and they said the season's, that's it. Um, the AFL season's now ceased. And if you're an interstate player, we advise that you pack your things when we get home and get out. Mm. So, yeah, so I then returned to South Australia uh, for about four months. And luckily at the time I was working a remote job, so I was able to kind of work from anywhere and uh, then moved back up to Darwin. And COVID was still a factor in 2021, uh, so... I had to make a decision in that year if I wanted to return to the Gold Coast or remain in the Territory and work and just enjoy, I guess, the local life. And I resumed playing for the NTFL at that time as well and just decided that I would put a bit of a stop to the AFLW. Just It was too risky with COVID and the unknowns and uh, with work as well being so helpful and so good to me. I, I didn't want to do the wrong thing by them and take off again. So I kind of felt like I was a bit stuck in that sense that I needed to be in the territory for that year and unfortunately that meant for me putting AFLW on hold while all the COVID saga was happening. And then at the end of 2021, the start of 2022, my best friend ran into Chelsea Randall on chance. I think Chelsea went to one of her schools, my best friend's a teacher, um, and said, oh, you know, how's Jazz going? Because she obviously we'd, we'd met and she knows Chelsea and um, Kim, my mate at the time, said, oh, you know, she's she's doing really well, like she's playing footy up and down. And I think Chelsea might have said, like, like why, why isn't she playing? Like, why isn't she, like, like, where is she? So it kind of ignited a conversation of where am I at with my football? And um, next thing you know, I'm chatting to Phil Harper and we're talking about my return. So it's kind of a bizarre footy I've sort of been everywhere and done a few things and it's, yeah, it's been a bizarre footy experience for me personally. That's so cool. We started talking about manifestation very briefly before we started hitting record and (laughs) that's just such a prime example of manifestation, you know, like I love it. The fact, and how much pull does Chelsea Randall have to be able to just run into your friend and then get back to the club and be like, hey, you need to get this girl back on a list. (laughs) It's so cool. Yeah, she she definitely ignited that conversation and I reached out to Phil as well saying, look, I'm still keen, like I I wouldn't say that, like I ne- I guess I needed that time away from footy just to realise that I still had that fire and that I still really loved the game and um, playing footy in the Territory, I guess, ignited that as well, being able to play for the Pints Football Club, which is where I am now. Uh, they really reignited that passion and love for the game again for me and um, at that time too, I was probably at a point where I was ready again, like my ankle had been so angry for such a long time after my injury that I kind of lost the love for it because with the Suns I was playing through through so much pain and it just, I wouldn't say it wasn't enjoyable because I loved the experience, but I wasn't able to really play at my best because I I just physically couldn't. I couldn't jump as high. I couldn't run as fast. It was just, yeah, it was a, it was a really tough period for me for my footy. Speaking about that 2019 uh, season where the first Ruckman goes down with an ACL, then you go down with an ankle, what ended up happening in the Ruck stocks that year for them to even, how did they even win a premiership? Yeah, so we were really lucky that we had another uh, football player in the club called Jessica Foley. So her role, I think, before taking on the Ruck role was actually 
as like a key defender, like a really fantastic key defender position, really diverse and maybe even could play forward as well, but another tall utility player, uh, key position utility player. So she, I'm not sure if she really dabbled in ruck a lot before that. Um, potentially in the sandful she did, but, yeah, she kind of slotted straight into that position and made it her own. She absolutely killed it. So 2021, I think it is, you reach out to Phil. Phil reaches out to you. You start playing again. This is where we met um, I had been working with Danielle Ponta for a season before it. I think I think it was only one, maybe two, I can't remember. Phil rings me up and says, hey, I've got, he goes, I know I've got like a, you've got a real footballer in Danielle, but he goes, I've got a real athlete for you. You are going to love working with this girl. <laughs> and um, enter Jasmine Hewitt. And so I loved working with you because literally you could give you anything and you would like ask for more. Um what was that season like for you? As you alluded to earlier, it was hard to break in. So how did the season pan out? Yeah, so uh, like I said, it the team was already really well established and by chance me coming back in didn't actually mean that they had a spot readily, readily open and available for me. Um, I knew that it would take time to break into the team. Like, I guess you think of it as like a new draftee. You don't often see new draftees get games straight off the bat or, you know, their ability to break into a team straight away, a strong team, is almost impossible. And I felt that's kind of the position that I was in and I I knew that. I knew that I was going down and training with the best team in the competition. I can say that now because they were and still, in my opinion, are. So to even get a game or two or three, which I think I did in the end, was uh, really special because it wasn't my goal for the season. My goal was just to go down and reinvent myself as a footy player and I guess prove a point to myself that I was capable and um, I guess I felt in my previous years that I hadn't really been able to achieve what I'd wanted to in that space and that's what drew me back to it and I guess now that I look back, I manifested something and I think that I was able to get exactly what I was hoping to get. Yeah. So how many games? So you, I think, did you play a couple of games early on or at least one game early on in the season and then you came in? When did you come in at the end? Was It wasn't. It was before the grand final. It wasn't just for the grand final, yeah, was it? Yeah. So I played a few games through the season, but um, – I wasn't consistently getting games. There was girls performing so well on the weekends that they deserved to be in the team before me, well and truly. So I guess I kind of had to wait for an opening or as as bad as it sounds and as cutthroat as AFLW can be, I had to wait for someone to underperform to be able to get the opportunity to then cement my spot, if that makes sense. Um, But that opportunity didn't really come. It only really came in resting players or unavailability for that particular round. So I wasn't actually able to break into the starting side, which is totally fair um, coming off of the footy that I had and the calibre that was there at the time. Um, So my goal was to just go and enjoy it and um, to be able to even play a handful of games was uh, I felt really fortunate and really lucky to have been able to do that. And so what happened for you to get that – opportunity at the pointy end of the season was it someone that got injured 
No, it's actually through suspension, which isn't really a nice way to go in um, at all because you've got uh, a devastated teammate um, not able to play, not because they are unable to physically, um, but through a pretty unfortunate incident. So for me, it was kind of like I was stoked. I was riding this massive high, but then on the flip side of that, I had a really devastated teammate and a lot of people that were devastated for her as well. So it kind of like... I wouldn't say it put a dampen on my selection. It was kind of like, oh, like, congratulations, Jazz, but, you know, that's such a horrible reason to have to, like, get the call up for my teammate. So it was kind of like a a really weird week for me because I didn't know whether to feel happy or sad or or what, really. And this was grand final week, hey? This was grand final week. So being told that I would play was, uh, you know, huge massive for me but um I guess like I considered myself a pretty caring person and I could not sleep like I couldn't stop thinking about the fact that someone else was missing out uh and I was getting given a position as a result of that so it was kind of like I felt like a bad guy when in a way but I knew that that wasn't the case and that come the day that was completely out of my mind at that stage and who was the player that missed out uh, Montana McKinnon, uh, one of our young girls who had been doing so well through the year and really, you know, had a really breakout season and was playing out of her skin. So she was super unfortunate to miss out and all going well. She will um, hopefully um, get her opportunity very soon. So the home and away season just wrapped up. Finals are about to begin how do you see it all falling into place for the Crows to win another premiership? I back them all the way any day. <laughs> I've watched their season this year and um, they're such an underrated side. I don't know why they aren't at the top of everyone's radar every year. They seem to just be, you know, they've won the most premierships out of any team and I feel like they're still so underrated. They're just yeah, and knowing all the girls personally and seeing their skill set, I guess, behind closed doors or not on the telly, like, they are so, so talented. All of those girls are unbelievably talented. And um, as the seasons progress, they're just getting better and better and better. So I think their finals campaign is going to be in a really exciting one to watch. What did you think is the uh aspects that sets the crows apart and what did you learn the most from being at the crows oh that's really difficult to say um just professionalism and drive and willingness to put their hearts on their sleeves and play footy for one another it's it's hard and tricky sometimes at that level to kind of get lost in your own personal performance but you know, I didn't feel like that was the case with the Crows. We, they all play for one another. They don't play for, I guess, the recognition or solo performances. They are really a fantastic group to be in and I'm so fortunate to have been able to play there. Mm, yeah. Um, you played with some absolute stars. She's no longer there, but she's retiring this year, Erin Phillips. What was it like to play with her? Yes, uh, she's incredible. You know, she's one of those players that I guess for me – not really being based in South Australia for the most part of my career with the Crows. She was the kind of player that you strive to be like, and she didn't have to say much. She would, I guess, actions speak louder than words. And she's the kind of player that would just 
get on the track, train her hard out, and give you a little word or two of encouragement, which would be more than enough to set you on fire and just give you something else. Like she's just the phenomenal leader that everyone wanted to play like and everyone wanted to be like. And it was just, yeah, I guess kind of bizarre thinking that I was actually her teammate. I've often said that I was just a fangirl running around watching her be brilliant half the time. But, um, yeah, how she goes about things and how professional she is with the game and her willingness to assist, you know, everyone around her is a big reason why she is one of the best that she is. And yes, um, it's going to be very sad, I guess, next season when she's not in the competition. Yeah, she's an absolute star. Uh, You were a star on grand final day when you won that premiership and kicked the first goal. I actually think she might have been the first one to get over to you. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, she definitely was. I think she might have whispered something to or said something to me before I kicked it like oh I'd like back yourself or something minor um which is always enough like I remember going into a rut contest and stuff and in the mix of it all she'd come up and say just grab it yourself like go yourself sort of thing and kind of forget like oh actually like sure I'll give it a crack and just ignites little things within you each and every individual to sort of I guess give you that little bit of fire and she was really good at that just those little words here and there to yeah ignite um you know, momentum in yourself, I guess. But, yeah, that that first kick, first goal is uh, probably one of my favourite sporting moments ever uh, of my career and I still, yeah, remember the the crowd and, and everyone and how happy my teammates were. And I think, you know, it's that moment of relief and release, like, okay, like I've I've done something that I want set out to achieve. This is, like, where my career's come down to. I'm playing in a grand final. I've just kicked a goal. It was almost like a massive weight or rush of emotion just dropped off me. Like everything that's led up to this moment is worth it. Like for this moment right now, playing with these girls that I'm playing with on my home turf in front of all of these amazing people, all these incredible fans, it was just like a moment of like pure bliss. It was just, that was, I would be happy to, I was like, that's it. Take me off. I'm, I'm done. I've done my bit. I'm happy. I've achieved what I wanted to in my career. If we win this game, it'll just be a you know icing on the cake but yeah I think that moment defined my whole footy career and I'm so thankful to have yeah experienced that. You said on your home deck because of course the game was played at Adelaide Oval and I just have to say you're giving me goosebumps and making me teary because (laughs) I was watching this game I, I was you know Phil had said come down if you want and I decided not to and I'm kicking I'll probably kick myself forever that I didn't um, but I watched it from my lounge room and I wanted to be on my own. I just wanted to be just me with the TV and watch it with the best coverage possible so I could be up close. And, man, I was fist pumping when you kicked that goal. <laughs> I was so pumped. I was like a proud dad. And then, yeah. You know, and, and in a way I, I do have to, you know, thank you because you were a big part of my preseason leading into that moment. So I guess that moment of ecstasy, I guess, that I experienced, you know, in, in a part was thanks to you. So thank you, Jacob. I <laughs> g- genuinely do appreciate, you know, what you were able to assist me with, especially in those pre-season months leading into the season. Um, yeah, just such a great uh, experience. Really, It's a privilege to be able to work with such uh, committed and disciplined people. Um, there was a moment to that goal. Do you remember who kicked it to you? Yes, I do. It was Danielle and I thought to myself, I I didn't expect her to miss it. So I, I backed her. So when By the I way, was I don't think she was passing that. 
what, no, what definitely she, not. Did no, she no, 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 she did not. But I can guarantee you that she, yeah, it wasn't a miss kick. She was actually rather close. It was right on the face of the goal. So if it had gone to the left three meters, it would have been a goal. So uh, quite lucky that. Yeah, I just happened to be in the right place at the right time. But I was actually backing her. I think I had to to run a, quite a way to get into that contest to take that mark because initially I was thinking that she had this covered. So, um, yeah, it just panned out the way that it did. And, yeah, thank God it did. Yeah, it's an unbelievable moment. Um, so the rest of the game, tell me how did it all finish up, um, celebrations, like what was all of that like? to know you are a premiership player. Yeah, when they give out the um, the medals with the little kids that you give the hats at the end, I think that's when it actually set in that, oh, my gosh, like we actually did it, we actually won it. And um, I when I was down in Adelaide, I was affiliated with uh, a football team there because if you're not playing games with the, at the Adelaide Crows at that level, you were given opportunity to play games in the local league uh, there just to keep – I guess, games up so that you were able to come in and, as you would know, how important that game fitness and um, body contact is while you are playing at the top level to have that consistency. So I was uh, playing with the Sturt Football Club in South Australia and and have ever since. Um, And I remember going up to get my medals and there was a lot of Sturt girls in the crowd. Um, (laughs) I remember when my name was called distinctively this massive group of girls all going berserk <laughs> in the stands. And I think that's definitely my Sturt girls over in the, in the stands. Like it has to be, but I think in that moment it was like, Oh my gosh, like they're right. Like this is exciting. This is amazing. Like this is the best feeling ever. And I think at that moment, you know, being able to fist pump the little kid and give him a hat was just like, wow, like what a moment. Uh, so you come back to Darwin after all of that. You get this job with the uh, Airport Fireys. Um, you're playing local footy again for Pint. You ultimately won a premiership under Ricky Nolan, who's also been a guest on this podcast. Tell me about that. And I have to be mindful of time because I know you've got to get off to Pint footy <laughs> training soon. Um, tell me about that because you were a fair way behind, I believe, um, in the game before that to get into that grand final. Four goals, I think. And I'm pretty sure you were playing St. Mary's, who was also fielding Danielle Ponta. Yes, yes. We love a good rivalry, me and DP. No, um, <laughs> I actually have such a big, I guess, respect and a love for Saints. Obviously, that's where my footy career started. So I love seeing their progression and I love the fact that they're, you know, getting better and better and better as the years progress as well. So I was super excited for that game because I thought, you know, either way, as much as I want to win, I'd love to see Saints in the grand final. Like, I would love to see the club progress in the years to get to that point. I mean, it's amazing that they got to the point that they did and they're continuing to press and they're probably one of the teams that I think will be to beat this year as they continue to do well. But, yeah, so for me it was kind of funny because it was like, huh, I'm, both my teams are going to make it no matter what, you know. So it's kind of like this is really cool. I get to play my some of my good friends and, and DP as well. You know, we have a bit of a laugh and a giggle, might tackle each other and, you know, give each other a bit of a tickle or something, like just a bit of fun and ha-ha. So, <laughs> yeah, it was good. And, and obviously having her 
in the middle when you're rucking is is a bit of a challenge too because as you're aware she's incredibly talented so my theory was just get the ball anywhere near away from Danielle like do not get the ball anywhere near her that's that's the strategy that's what we're going with uh, I don't know what else we can really do to nullify her uh, it, you know <laughs> existing in this midfield like she's just a hassle but um no it was a incredible game I mean um I can't even I can't even barely remember the first part of the game but I distinctively remember the second half of that game well, I'm pretty sure you're four goals down at three-quarter time and in-stepped Jay Hewitt to win that game, essentially. <laughs> I wouldn't say that. Definitely <laughs> not. You, Think but I'm pretty sure that's it. what most people do. <laughs> well, no. Uh, there's no I in team, especially not in football. So um, I think everybody lifted in that last two quarters of the game. We knew that if we didn't do something now, that's it, season over. Um I think just starting that chain, I think perhaps kicking that first goal and being like, all right, you know, we're within three kicks of this gave the team a bit of belief. And I think not just myself, but there was multiple contributors that lifted in that last two quarters that I guess made it possible to come back, I guess, in women's footy when you think about four goals. Like that's a pretty – pretty big difference especially in territory football where it is insanely hot and the conditions are not easy to play and big scores and four goals is pretty significant Mm. so you then go into grand final week again uh with pint and you take on waratahs i went and watched this game and i was going for pint simply for you i had a couple of girls that i'd worked with um at waratahs as well that i kind of wanted to do well um, but yeah. I'm probably leaning towards wanting Pint to win. Um, and also knew Heidi Thompson, who was the coach at Waratah. I've interviewed her on this podcast, and she's a very, very good coach, as is Rick. Um, both very good minds in terms of football strategy, I believe. Yeah. And I, as much as I wanted Pint to win, I actually thought Waratah were going to. And I think they might have even beaten you a couple of weeks before that. Um, they had, yeah. They were probably... Yeah. They were the genuine favourites, I would say, leading into that game. They had a lot of players uh, that had been flying in and playing footy throughout the season, and they had some very strong players in that side. So we certainly didn't know what to expect, but we genuinely knew that it would be a huge game and that we'd have to bring our best footy to be able to win it. And so how did you win it? Because from quarter time, it was pretty much one-way traffic. Yeah, I I think, and this has happened before, losing that first final is sometimes more of a blessing than a curse, in my opinion. I think that it gave us a bit of a kick up the bum, to be honest, in the things that we needed to work on or that games aren't just won without 100% effort. And I think we went into that first quarter like we need to give everything. We can't wait till halftime. We can't not bring it at all in a game. We have to be switched on and want it and genuinely go out 100% firing from the second that that ball went up. And I think we were able to achieve that instantly and that's what gave us that instant edge over over Waratahs on the day. You know, they probably started just a little bit too slow. They, they still came back in and I believe they actually might have even kicked the first goal thinking back to it. But I knew instantly that we were on our game, like that it was going to be 
a big, big game for us because we were all up and about. The vibes were really high to start with. We knew what we had to do um, and there wasn't any question about that. And looking back now, we did exactly what we were asked to do and, yeah, it was a great game to be part of. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Unbelievable and well done on winning it. You're obviously the best on ground and um, you're the one that I picked for best on ground as well. Um, What was Rick like before the game started? Was there any video analysis or anything like that? No, I don't believe there was. I think we were approaching the game in a similar manner to what we did uh, leading into the St. Mary's game. I don't think we changed much at all in the lead up to that game. It's very business as usual, but the significance and importance of it was obviously uh, mentioned on many occasions. And Mm. yeah, it's kind of hard to think back. You don't really remember those moments uh, after a big win, but I do remember him saying that no matter what happens or no matter the outcome of the game or the season that he was super proud and he was already over the moon and happy and it didn't matter. So I think the pressure was released from, you know, we have to win this. It has to win like at all costs. It, that was lifted before the game. Like it doesn't matter. We are one. We want to have fun, like give everything we've got. But at the end of the day, like the result doesn't actually matter. And I guess in a way it does matter, but to just have that reassurance or have that pressure taken off you, I don't know if that helps others, but it certainly helps me. You know, um, Rick actually mentioned that on his podcast episode, but um, about, you know, I'm proud of you girls, no matter what happens, you know, go out and and do your thing. Um, But being proud of you being the thing that he was emphasising, when you're privileged enough, like I am, to sit in this seat and speak to so many people, there's themes that come up that you notice. And one of the things when it comes to winning grand finals that I hear over and over again is the value of losing one, losing a grand final. You've just touched on it in terms of losing the first final. It wasn't a grand final, but I really think there's a value to losing at least a final. What do you think of that? Yeah, 100%. I think it, in a way, subtly humbles you and, you know, the the fire is always there. You know, we're, we're out, we're training, you know, multiple hours of the week. We're putting in the effort. We're rocking up, you know, we're putting aside shifts, changing shifts. So we've got a lot of shift workers. So we've got people juggling things. So the passion and drive is definitely there. We've got girls going above and beyond to play footy. But that fire, that aggression, the desire to win, in my opinion, if you win for a long time, that little flame starts to dim down just a little bit. You forget the sense of winning or the satisfaction of winning because you haven't experienced anything other than that. So to experience a lose, a loss, sorry, it just reignites that flame like, that's right, this is why we play footy. We don't want to feel like this. We want to feel good. We want to win. You know, we want to be on top of our game. So I guess that little gaslight may have just slightly started to dimmer, even though it's still there because we love it. We love playing for one another and, and the game itself. But, yeah, I think a loss really reignites that flame and that drive to, like, we don't want to lose anymore. And I think you need that. And I think losing the first final, and it's, we've done it before, it's it's almost like our, our momentum shifter, like, to be experiencing losses, like, actually makes you better footballers and makes you play better. You know, you don't want to have a bad game. It gives you drive to want to be better. 
Yeah, and I think the other theme that I've noticed is the business as usual comment that you made, while at the same time being reminded that it's not this one's not just any old game. This is more important, but let's still do all of our everyday routines in the week leading up and on game day. It's business as usual, but know that this is a more important game. Yes, that's right. And funny you mentioned that. I remember the game leading into that um, semi-or prelim. I forget the the game against Waratahs to start with that we played. I remember uh, drinking a a fizzy drink or having a mouthful of like a V or something. And I never do that. I never have fizzy drinks before games. Like I just felt like I needed some caffeine or something. And I was like, yeah, I'll have some of this. You know, I never drink pre-workout or stuff like that. So like this is going to give me like, you know, an edge. I'm going to feel like really energized. Like, yeah, let's try it. I remember going out there and I had this really weird thing happen to me where it was almost like a giant, giant air bubble in my chest. And I actually struggled to play that game. I was barely able to run. I had to go off multiple times and I was like having these weird, I guess like indigestion issues before playing this game of footy. And I remember like, whatever, why did I do that? Why did I drink this drink before the game? I never do that. And I've literally just stitched myself up because I can't play to the ability that I usually do because I'm literally suffering. I can't even breathe. Like it's just, yeah. So as you said, like, and if, ever since I'm like, nah, I have exactly what I'm supposed to eat before a game. I don't change anything. There's no way I'm going anywhere near a fizzy drink before a footy game ever again. I never want to experience that. It was so bizarre. So yeah, I completely agree. I think it changes everything having that routine and um, what works best for you, don't change it. Basically, that's my advice. Yeah, good advice. And so what's next for you in life? Um, geez, I think I'm just enjoying life now. I have travelled around and had all these incredible experiences and, you know, moving down to Melbourne for my firefighting course. I got to be down there and got to meet some amazing humans um, and lifelong friends now down there and coming back to the station. Station life is awesome. I have such a fantastic crew um, they're all awesome people too and I feel so blessed like I'm just I guess so happy with where I'm at at the moment and and even just playing footy in the NTFL and enjoying you know the group that we're with and still having Ricky as a coach it just everything feels so right at the moment so I'm not in a hurry to change anything I'm happily just living life up here and um, you know I have my dream job now and I can still play footy so that's a huge win and if AFLW comes knocking again I'll you know, I would certainly consider my options or the opportunities presented because, you know, at the end of the day, I still love footy and, um, you know, if I can play at the highest level, who wouldn't want to do that? But um, I'm quite content and quite happy with, with where things are at now and, yeah, I guess I'll just continue living life here. That's awesome and you deserve it all. We're going to wrap up with a 10 and 10, which I haven't given you a heads up on yet, but I'll explain in a second. Before I do, I just want to thank you for coming on the Mind Your Body Show today and acknowledge you for all of the work that you do in raising uh, the standard of women's football across the country and uh, other sports like netball, all the stuff you're involved with, all the people you help, uh, and congratulate you on becoming that AFLW Premiership player. So, Thank you, Jacob, for having me. Amazing. No worries. While you have been talking, I've been writing some notes. I've got 10 questions here. I'm just going to go through and say back some of the things that you brought up and get the first thing that comes to mind. You can? Oh, God. Okay, yeah, let's go. All right, number one, bizarre injuries. Oh, I'd have to say my little toe. Those who know, know. <laughs> 
Number two, firefighting. Best job in the world. Number three, the Adelaide Crows. Best team in the world. <laughs> Number four, footy opportunities for kids. Ooh. This is in relation to when you brought up kicking the footy with your dad. Yeah, so if you love footy and you want to play, don't be afraid. It's for everyone. Number five, draft combines in general. What are they like? Oh, physically demanding, uh, exhilarating. Such a fun experience. Number six, the growth of women's footy. Love to see it. Wish to help improve it. Hopefully leaps and bounds in the years to come. Number seven, becoming a premiership player. One of the best moments in my life, for sure. Number eight, breaking into a new team. Oh, stick with it. Uh, you never know when you get your opportunity. Number, uh, number nine, the number one thing, you can only say one thing, that you learned in your time playing at the Adelaide Crows. Mm. I'm going to say true. And the word true means something in the Adelaide Crows. It isn't just a word, so I'll leave it with True. I like that. I love it. And number 10 is a generic question which I ask everybody and it's a little bit of an insight into my weird mind. I would love to be able to time travel. If you could time travel, you go forward in time or back in time, which would it be to, which point in time would it be to and why, knowing you can come back to now and you can travel around, but you can only go to one spot in time, one time. Oh, man. I'm going to keep this football-related rather than... uh, I guess personal because there's many things I'm sure I would do, but let's keep it footy wise. I would turn the time back to that pre sorry preseason game against Fremantle. I would tell Reed Metcalf not to go out on the field that game and myself included. Oh really? I like. I thought you were going to say I was going to go back and celebrate that Premiership win again. Yeah, well, I mean, I think if that was meant to be, it was meant to be anyway. So if I was able to play that season and hopefully remain in the team. Uh, I would have won a premiership anyway. So you never know. That's so cool. I like that. Go out and say, don't go out and take the field. Imagine how that season <laughs> would have turned out, like having yeah. the tip of like, sliding doors. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you never know. And that's just one occasion. I'm sure there'd be many things that I would return into time and, and relive, including that premiership moment for sure. Jazz, thank you so much for your time today and best wishes for the future. Thanks again for having me. Appreciate it. What's the most overlooked part of running, but the most important? Your mechanics. My new course, Running Mechanics 101, is a nine-module course which will teach you how to run more efficiently and effectively. 